0: Greetings, actors and writer strike supporters, and welcome back to Tune Out. This will be a podcast we do instead of stay doomed to support those striking. I am your host, as always, TV's Noah Houlihan, joined by Laura Prince. Hi. 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 So, today on Tuned Out, uh, our wonderful patrons have asked us to discuss stand up comedy we have quite the relationship with stand-up comedy in that I've been a stand-up comedian for over a decade. And we've toured this great nation doing said stand-up comedy. We don't talk about it much on this show.
1: No. So now we are. Yeah. Yeah. One word answers. (laughs)
0: Laura will be asleep for this podcast, and I'll be carrying this because she's very sleepy and only giving one word answers.
1: No, it's just... this kind of mostly your thing because if I... Why I got into comedy is a one-word answer: spite. Spite.
0: I mean, I think that's a, a very fun story. Uh, but let me ask you this: what do you? What was your relationship with stand-up comedy before you got into it? Like, did you watch stand-up? Did you enjoy stand-up? Is there a stand-up comedian you really enjoyed?
1: Uh, I watched. I watched like Comedy Central Presents when it was on, but didn't mm-hmm. actively seek it out. Uh, I really liked Stephen Lynch, who... Oh, yeah. If you have not heard Stephen Lynch, a lot of his material has aged very, very poorly. Quite. Uh, he was a musical comedian, uh, like a more simplistic Bo Burnham.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, I was a big... Like
1: early Bo Burnham before he got like...
0: Yeah, back when he was writing like the Clan cookout and uh, the Anne Frank song. That version of Bo Burnham. yes. Uh, So, I actually remember uh, when I was in high school, loved stand-up comedy. Uh, Friday night stand-up, every Friday. It was like six hours of stand-up, and I would just watch it. And uh, they would do a competition where you could vote for your favorite comedian. Okay. And they would do like a top ten. And I was on Stephen Lynch's like email list and I got an email from him asking uh, for votes because he really wanted to beat Dane Cook. (laughs) What Stephen Lynch didn't know is I was friends with Dane Cook on AIM and I told on him.
1: (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah.
0: I was like, look what uh, Stephen Lynch sent me and I sent him the email and Dane Cook replied, lol. And then we never spoke again.
1: All right. I also remember really liking Mitch Hedberg.
0: Mitch was always, oh, Mitch is so good.
1: Uh, because I always liked very witty humor. Mm-hmm. And I found Mitch Hedberg to be very, very witty. Yes. Uh, I still think of him anytime I am near an escalator.
0: <laughs> that is broken?
1: No. Just temporarily stairs.
0: Temporary stairs. Oh, man. Uh, Mitch Hedberg used to be funny.
1: Still is. Still is. But he also used used to to be. be.
0: I've always been, like, attracted to the one-line comedians, even though that's not a style of comedy I'm very good
1: at. Right. I remember you used to do one-liners. Really? Yes. You had a notebook and you would try to do one-liners.
0: Yeah, it was like, it was a weird experiment that I did that, like, I was never a one-liner comedian, but I wrote a bunch and what I eventually ended up using that notebook for was, like, punishment. Where I was, like, if I wasn't getting the reactions that I wanted to, I was, <laughs> like, I'm pulling out the notebook and I'm doing I'm doing notebook jokes. If you guys oh, don't get on <laughs> board.
1: You know what really works on an audience, guys? Punishment. It worked great. <laughs> I knew what I was
0: doing. I'm a good comedian. Uh, but, yeah, one-liner comics like Dimitri Martin... Uh, uh, Stephen Wright, those were, were guys that I was super into. Uh, but I can tell you the the first time I ever had any sort of relationship with stand-up comedy is when I was a very little boy. Okay. I remember uh, going to see what my parents were watching in the living room after my bedtime. <gasps> and when I got there, my mom was like, you absolutely cannot watch this. <laughs> it's rated X. And I was like, oh, well, if it's not rated R, I can watch it. And they're like, no, X is worse than R. And this is the first time I'd ever heard of X. And that's how I learned of the X rating. <gasps> and I was like, oh, okay. And then when I turned to leave, I looked at the screen and I was like, I'm going to remember this. And one day I'm going to find this. And I'm going to watch it. <laughs> uh, and I remember I was just going through all the VHS tapes in my home because I had VHS tapes. And we had this, like, big, like, box full of just blank or, you know, recordable VHS.
1: Oh, everybody. That was a hallmark of that time period.
0: And there was this time where I was just like, I'm going to go see what's in, like, the bottom of this and see what's on them. And I found it and I put it in. I was like, oh, my God, this is the thing my parents were watching that night. And it was Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer.
1: Which is definitely, definitely appropriate for children (laughs) i remember i isn't the song asshole on that special that opens the special i i couldn't remember if it opened or closed it
0: it in fact opens the special uh and i watched it i think i watched it until i wore it out (laughs) i i loved it so much and it was very interesting in that there were a lot of jokes that i did not understand to be Honest, still don't understand. Okay. What, what are lewds? Qualudes. Oh, qualudes. Oh, okay. That makes a little bit more sense. But he's like, let's get some lewds. I was like, I don't know what lewds are, but yeah, let's get them. No, not and, for you. And like, I didn't know what a bong was at the time. And the, the big joke that I always remembered is how much he liked Night Quill because it had that big F and Q on it. <laughs> and that was just like... That was something I understood. I knew what NyQuil was. Uh, but I didn't know what like an eight ball was and, or any of this other stuff. But I just kept watching it because I loved the fact that there was this guy on stage alone and everybody liked him. And I was like, that's a thing I want to
1: do. Aww.
0: And apparently when I was very young, uh, I would just like, I'd always want to tell jokes, but I didn't know jokes because of I was a child. So I would just like tell long stories. And then I, they would end with, and that the end. And then everybody would laugh because you placate children.
1: Yes. Even if they're not that funny, you're like, you're the funniest. Yeah. No one's ever been funnier than you, babe. Uh,
0: but my my first time doing stand up, I was in third grade, and I did it for the talent show. Oh. Yeah. God, I love to stand up. Uh, And they were all jokes... They were almost all jokes that I had stolen. Because I was in third grade. And uh, I did a joke about the movie Aliens. Which I had not seen. Because I was a child. Uh, But I remember my joke was like... I just saw that movie Aliens. It was a great movie. Except for that part where they went to sleep for 17 years... If that was me, I'd hit the alarm clock and say, just six more months, please. (laughs) Aw. And then I rapped at the end. Oh, boy. Uh, It ended with, uh, I like The Wizard of Oz, but uh, I wonder what if it was made in the 90s. And then I sang, Somewhere over the rainbow, kick it, Oh, God, I almost remember the rap. Uh, There's a girl named Dorothy and her dog, Toto. She had a problem with the witch with the ugly nose. Oh, my God. Uh, Oh, God. Uh, My girl, Dorothy, she wasn't slow. She melted that witch with H2O.
1: (laughs) Did you make that up yourself?
0: I remember, like, writing it with my mom.
1: Because it's, like,
0: that's very good. Uh, Uh... My girl, or, oh, God. Uh, My girl, Dorothy, she was fly. She clicked her heels and she waved (laughs) bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was my ending. Uh, That's
1: very, very cute.
0: Thank you. Uh, And then, kind kind of like a stand-up comedian, I kind of toured that set around. And like any place with a stage, I was like, hey, can I do five minutes of stand-up? So I, like, I remember going to, like, a dance and doing it. mm mm-hmm. uh, And uh, my uncle had a band. And they had, like, a Woodstock parody that they would do. This okay. This like, concert. And I was like, can I do stand-up? And they're like, sure. So, like, there's this, like, festival that there has to be video of it. Of me doing this like five minute set.
1: Oh, that's so weird. Right.
0: Uh, so the next year they were like, You doing stand-up again? And I was like, Of course I want to do stand-up again. And I didn't I hadn't stolen any new material, so what was <laughs> I gonna do? So my mom pushed this like set that I was doing where I had these big cue cards that had like fillyisms spelled out. Okay. And I just remember it was uh, G. Did you eat? Yeah. I. All right. Let's go. Let's go. And I was just be like, here it is in a sentence. G. I. Let's go. And I had this issue with the set in that I didn't like it, so I didn't want to perform it. Right. And also, everyone had already seen it in rehearsal
1: for the talent <laughs> show.
0: So people were already, like, walking up to me going, Jeet, Jeet. And I was like, oh, I hate this. And then I remember my principal coming up to me. And she was like, ask me, ask me. I was like, all right, Jeet. And she went, no, Jew. No, did you?
1: I, I get it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I thought there was more to the story,
0: so. I was just making sure you got it. I understood. Uh and I was like, oh my god, I'll add that to the act. And my mom was like, I don't think you should say Jew. Cause it could be offensive to Jews. I went to Catholic school. There were no there were no Jews there.
1: I also don't like think people would see it. Uh, d-
0: could you imagine if the if this fourth grader got cancelled in the nineties for saying the word Jew? <laughs> uh A thing that people said in Philly all the time. So, (laughs) I really didn't like the set. So the day of the talent show, I pretended I was sick so I didn't have to go.
1: Stop! Yeah. Because you didn't want to do the jokes
0: your mom wrote for you? I didn't like them. And I just, like, they were funny. And, like, there's
1: an entire YouTuber that just does that bit now. Does your mom listen to this? Because you're going to be in so much trouble.
0: No, she doesn't. Uh, my mom does not listen to this.
1: Uh, I mean, in retrospect, they were great jokes. And
0: maybe they, you know, it wouldn't have been the worst thing if I had another tight five. <laughs> but uh, I didn't want to do it. And uh, on top of that, I was in another, like, act.
1: So you let someone else down? I, I to- let
0: out, I let down the entire uh, fourth grade boys. Because we were doing a dance to... Uh, there she was just a walking down the street stop do a diddy dum diddy do yeah that was the thing I was gonna do in the talent show talent shows are miserable <laughs> uh,
1: yeah they really are uh, I didn't know how to acquire instrumental accompaniment okay so until high school I did talent shows a cappella because mm. background music was witchcraft to me yeah I I was never a kid who wanted to ask her parents for stuff. Mm. So I was... And I, it wasn't because they wouldn't do it. Like, it wasn't because my parents were like, not, would not have helped me. It was, I wanted to... T- I, it was my stupid talent mm. show. I was going to do it. Yeah. And you know what? This dovetails into the first time I realized I was funny. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine in the, I don't know, maybe third grade talent show... Uh, Two of my friends did If I Only Had a Brain as Dorothy and the Scarecrow, back to Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Wizard of Oz, so big in the 90s, guys. Yeah, so huge. And I was like, I want to do something too. And they were like, well, we're already Dorothy and the Scarecrow. You can be Toto. (laughs) Retroactively, I was being bullied
0: Mm. at the time. Yeah.
1: I drew on some dog whiskers. And I got on stage and really just ruined it for everybody else. <laughs> I, uh, at the end of every line, I'd go, bark, bark. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience loved it. Oh, yeah. And it was the first time I realized that there was a good chance that I was funny. Mm-hmm. And also, that's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: I mean, maybe we should just talk about comedy in general, because you are a great improver.
1: Yes, and uh, that was also an accident.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this story, so I wanted to, to set you up with it.
1: <laughs> so, uh, a good friend of mine wanted to try out for an improv team, but he didn't want to go by himself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have plans I had never done improv before in my life. I'd been an actor for a long time, but I'd never done improv before in my entire life. And, but I'd, I'd seen a lot of Whose Lines Is It anyway, which I did enjoy growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I went with my friend and we did an entire day of auditions and callbacks and what have you. And at the end of the night, one of us got an email saying they'd been accepted into the troupe. And it was not my friend. <laughs> and so, because my friend didn't want to go to something alone, now I had a new hobby.
0: You had responsibilities to a new group.
1: So I, uh, yeah, i that's how I got into improv, which I really enjoyed doing. Uh, I don't do it so much anymore. I do it sort of sparingly at You know, wherever they'll book me. Right. Uh, But I don't really work with a team anymore. So it's very much like, oh, whatever ends up happening.
0: Uh, I also wanted you to share the story of when you went to the the improv show and discovered you were funny. When I
1: went went to the improv show and just... Oh, is this the... During challenge? So this was maybe a couple, like about a month before our previous story I'm with my friends and we all went to go see an improv show uh, because there was just happened to be one and that's what my friends and I were doing. And they played a game called Challenge, which you pretend to be an expert on someone on something or someone, and then once you've said something that's just like a little bit too BS, another improviser will go challenge and say something kind of funny that undermines you. Yeah. And the subject was skydiving, and someone went, "Oh." Parachutes are always bright colors to catch people's eye in case you fall and get lost. And I turned to my friend and went, Black Power Rangers parachute was black. And then the next thing was, challenge! The Black Power Rangers parachute was black. And I was like, is this a thing I can do? <laughs> is, this, is this a skill?
0: Is this a skill, she said while pointing at a
1: yeah, butterfly? Like, is this a skill? Is this a skill? Uh, and it turned out it was. Uh, I was a very good straight man. Yeah? Yeah, I did not tend to be as... I was never the funniest person in a scene, but I was good at the scene skills, and I could occasionally slip in something very funny. Um, But mostly I was just very, like, straight man. That makes sense. And still am in a lot of situations that I get involved in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So when it comes to... The first time actually performing. Uh, And you can talk about stand-up or improv. Uh, I would say my first time, because I didn't do any stand-up in high school. Right. Uh, And I remember a friend of mine, Kevin Hurley, who's a comedian in uh, New York right now, uh, asked me at a party like over the summer, like, you said you wanted to be a stand-up comedian, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, why aren't you? I was like, oh... I should probably start doing it. So when I got to college, uh, I signed up for like a competition. And uh, Did you now? Yeah, I signed up for a competition. Uh, and it was the Catch a Rising Star competition. Did you now? Yeah. And uh, I, I made it to the finals. Did you now? I did. And uh, I, I was doing this bit For a while and like it's a bit I still think about uh, where I had a cup from Target and uh, I always just carried it with me on stage and drank out of it and then in the middle of my act I was like do you guys like my Target cup I drink out of it because I think it would be funny if I became really important like really important like I become I don't know Messiah Wouldn't it be funny if this is the cup Indiana Jones was after? (laughs) Little did I know that people knew me as Target Cup guy because of that. (laughs) And uh, I ended up losing that competition to Laura's friend who she prevented from joining the improv team. So if you had just let him be an improver, (laughs) maybe you wouldn't have dipped his toe in my water and I would have won that competition. Sorry.
1: My bad. <laughs> yeah, I. When's the first time you did improv?
0: The first time I did improv was probably. I went to a, a vocational school in high school. So uh, I uh, went to a, an acting school. So I would probably say that the first time I ever actually did improv was auditioning for that school. Okay. And I had prepared, like, you had to prepare a monologue. But while you were waiting, like, you were with a bunch of other kids. instead of just having a normal, like, stressed-out audition room, you did improv. And uh, I was, like, really excited for this idea. And, like, I'd never done it before. And I was like, I couldn't wait for my turn. And we did first line, last line?
1: I, that was actually the first improv game I ever played.
0: Where they give you a line to start the scene. And the line that ends and the, it. And you just have to figure that out. How do you get from there to there? And I was so excited and I, really, I couldn't wait to do it. And the one girl who was running it went, oh, by the way, it doesn't have to be funny all the time. And I was like so excited to be funny, and I was like so upset that she put that energy out into the world. Uh. That I was just like, oh no, we're gonna end up doing a serious scene. And she read that on my face that I was upset. Mm-hmm. And she he was like, no, 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 let's make that the first line. Things don't have to be funny all the time. Okay. And your end line is squish, 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 squish. All right. I was like, okay. Uh, So I ended up doing a scene with this girl, Kat, uh, who also ended up going to the school. And she's just freaking out, like, why does everything have to be... Everything doesn't have to be funny all the time. Nothing has to be funny. Some things can be serious. So I just came on and was a clown. (laughs) And I was like, hi, do you want a balloon animal? And I was just making these invisible balloon animals over and over again. (laughs) A goose. Uh, And... The uh, the girl running the audition like came in and was like uh, it's Noah's turn, so she like grabbed me and I just pretended she was choking me and like my dying words were <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first time I remember doing improv. Uh, we have we like really studied improv freshman year and uh, I won best improviser. Mm, blows on knuckles.
1: I mean. I never won Best Improviser.
0: Well, you didn't go to a school that had awards. (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) No, the thing is, I did, just not for that. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I like, so I did improv for years, and then picked up doing it again after school. Mm -hmm. uh, When I I just I do it at cons from time to time now. I do miss it because it's a skill. I always forget I have me too. Uh, I always forget that I'm a good improviser until I'm kind of just thrown in. Yeah. Uh, because I remember at Magfest I did uh, these I was worked with these guys are sick for a few years. and uh, I really hope we can all come back to Magfest one day as a group because I did love working with them.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And I left the room. For party quirks. I hate party quirks. <laughs> uh, party quirks used to be punitive in the troupe I was doing. Like, if you went to the bathroom, mm-hmm. there was a non-zero chance you were coming back, finding out you were throwing a party. Right. Uh, but I knew I was doing it, and so I was like, oh, I hate party quirks. So I decided to go for my uh, my little girl. Every improviser has, like, that fallback. Yeah. And mine's a little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm perky and blonde, and that's low-hanging fruit for me. So I came in and I was like, hi, everybody. Welcome to my princess party. Not realizing that they'd already announced it was a princess party.
0: Yeah. Like while she was out of the room.
1: So it ended up dovetailing in really nicely. Mm -hmm. Uh, And playing a little kid's fun because you can always do like a good joke about people swearing. A good joke about people not know about not knowing what something Mm -hmm. someone else says means. So it's a very good like crutch um but i remember like being like oh yeah i forgot i was good at this
0: yeah Uh, improv is just it's so fun
1: it's so much fun Uh,
0: i gotta tell the the, my disaster story because it's something that lives on my chest okay it comes to improv and it was a show that you ran at too many games yes and we did like the the words i'm about to say are so ridiculous to me Uh, We did uh, film and theater styles. Yeah. And we had to do a scene where we were siblings fighting. And my scene partner was the nostalgia critic, Doug Walker. Yes. And Doug Walker immediately made us Bowser Jr. and one of the Koopa Kids, which I thought was a real funny idea. Uh, so we're just kind of like bickering, and Lara would l- ring a bell and then announce the new theater style. Oh, it's an action movie now, or uh, oh, now it's a, you know it's a first-person shooter.
1: And in games like this, you're essentially a third person in the scene mm-hmm. because you have to be. You're not just reading down a list. You're kind yeah. of assigning based on what you think would be very funny.
0: So. Laura rings the bell and announces that the scene is now a hip-hop musical in the style of Hamilton.
1: Because I'm evil.
0: And I turned and looked at you and gave you the dirtiest look. Like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Because I had not seen Hamilton at the time. I just knew it as that thing that Laura sang sometimes. Yeah. And I gave you that look. And when I turned back around... Doug Walker was just rapping in my face. Yes. And like, it was so incredible that I was just stunned. And then, uh, Pro Jared jumps into the scene and just starts beatboxing with him. So they're just performing this unbelievable rap song in my face. And I kind of like stumble... And then, like, the only thing I can think of is the king doing, like, the da 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 Yes. Da. So I try to start doing that, but to Doug, it just looks like I'm floundering. So he just starts a new verse and <laughs> just starts rapping in my face, and I'm just stunned <laughs> and amazed and horrified at my situation. I feel kind of bad about this. And then luckily, Laura rang the bell so that that was over. But then after the show, like, I was, you would think like, oh, I want to forget about this. Wouldn't it be horrible if someone ran up and like showed me a video of it or had taken a picture of this horrible moment? A fan ran up to me after the show and had drawn a picture of it. (laughs) <laughs> they, there was an still... artist interpretation of me freezing on stage while the nostalgia <gasps> critic yelled in verse in my face. <sighs> oh. <laughs> and I wake up every day knowing that that occurred. Oh, love you, duck. Um, <laughs>
1: let's well... get let's get back to stand up because stand up was a thing I was good at. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember the first time I did stand-up.
0: Oh, really? I I do pretty well.
1: Because... uh, It was a big... You had a big show. It was like... It was an open mic, but it was special for some reason.
0: There there was an open mic that... I I had this, like, chip on my shoulder that this open mic could be good because when you're starting at stand-up, you think open mics are important when they're not. And I was like, let me run this open mic. And I tried to book it to make it important. Yeah. So, like, I brought down Uncle Yo to do comedy, and also another uh, New York comedian named TJ Del Reno, who's a voice on Pokemon. Uh, And also, they were filming a documentary on Steve Carino and his son. Steve Carino, who is currently the head of the WWE Performance Center. <laughs> and Colby Carino, who...
1: Was very, very young at the time. Very
0: young at the time. He's currently a champion somewhere. But they used to do stand-up comedy with me. Uh, and since it was so big and, and like all this stuff was going on, Lara was going to make her debut. And... The only thing I like that really clearly I remember is you had some sort of joke about Toy Story?
1: I never performed that joke. They, I wrote it, and uh, another comedian had written a very, very similar very joke. Very similar joke, so. And did it that night for the first time, and I went, oh, no! Uh,
0: so... Uh, I, w- I tried to encourage you uh, to, to you know It's fine You can still do it And you were like No I don't think I can And then You went outside And you called Your friend That beat me At Catch a Rising Star And then came back in was like He gave me What I needed to hear And then you went on stage And killed And I was like ah.
1: But I remember you doing very well that night. <laughs> it's just really fun. I'm going to go call my friend. <laughs> you and I had not uh, been working together all that long. No. Uh, I mean, you had... You were coming
0: to to open mics as a as a, an audience member for a bit. Yes. And you had no interest in being a stand-up comedian.
1: I also had very little interest in watching open mics. Yeah. Um. I have a lot of Beanie Babies from that era because there was a crane machine in the uh, in the arcade in the bowling alley.
0: Yeah, we were an unwanted distraction to Lara gaining Beanie Babies.
1: Uh, one of those Beanie Babies is still in my car to this day. The duck Beanie Baby that's in my car. Yes. Uh,
0: but then, I mean, you got to tell the story. What, what made you decide you were going to do comedy?
1: Spike! Spike! Um, when you go to an open mic, and when you go to an open mic in that era, uh, it was a lot of slightly misogynist humor. And I got it in my head that I was funnier than some, not all. There were people there who are, were and are way funnier than I will ever be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was better than some of those people. Yeah. I was like, I could, I could do comedy better than some of these people. hmm And I did. You certainly did. Uh, it's... Anything that I have succeeded in in my life has been spite-related. <laughs> spite.
0: Yeah. For me, the reason I really like stand-up comedy is it's very much everything on your own shoulders. And I kind of like that feeling of, like, back against the wall, like, doing your best to get out of a bad situation. Uh, I love doing bad shows.
1: I hate it. I hate it so much.
0: But to me, there is something great about, like, being in a situation where it's not conducive to comedy and then coming out the other side having done a great show. Uh, One of my favorite shows of all time... And I, I'm sorry I keep doing this. One of the reasons it's so great was your friend who beat me in that stand-up competition was there in the audience that night and refused to go on. Yes,
1: that'll so happen. I did this
0: in front of him, which was great. Uh, but I was at a show uh, at a, a bar that doesn't exist anymore called Champs. And I was very excited to perform. And the host... Did this weird thing where... Well, first off, there was no microphone. The microphone was broken.
1: Yeah, and that's always bad with stand-up because you want a microphone.
0: Uh, because there's a a saying that's about comics where it's like, as long as there's a stage and a mic will be there. There was no stage and there was no mic. <sighs> and uh, the the host came on and did this thing where he told a joke... And, like, there was a good number of people there. There's probably, like, 20, 25 people there. Right. Half the room didn't get it. Oof. So he told those people that they could screw off <laughs> and just focused on half the room. Right. Then on his next joke, half of those people didn't like it. So he told <laughs> more tables to screw off. And then he just whittled it down to only one person liked him. And <gasps> then he insulted that person. And now no one liked him. And then it was time to start the show. Oh. So the first comic that goes on, uh, he was, uh, I'll I'll say his name, he was the Great Mutal. And he is an alternative comic. Yeah. He likes to do very strange things. And at the previous show, he had cut his own hair and ate it. And he got in trouble for that. So he had just gotten yelled at about his comedy style before coming to the stage. Oh, good. And he simply walked on stage and said, uh, I've been informed that I cannot do the style of comedy that I enjoy doing. So I'm going to do something a little different. Oh, boy. What's the punchline to the saddest joke ever written? And then he walked off stage. (laughs) Which part of me thinks that was awesome. But the other part of me is like, this is yet to be a comedy show. (laughs) Uh, Then they called the next person to the stage. He had left to go try to buy a microphone. (gasps) Uh, Then it was me.
1: (laughs) Yay!
0: And uh, (laughs) I, I opened with, so the first comic made you hate him the second comic told one joke and the third comic's not here and he's been the best one so far. (laughs) And I was just like, I hit my zone. I remember uh, there was like a fireplace behind me. Yeah. And I was just like, why is no one using the stage? And I like stepped up onto it and I was just like leaning up against like the hearth of this, drinking a rum and coke ...doing comedy with no microphone and just killing. And uh, I remember yelling to the host, like, how much time do I have left? And they were like, we're trying to get the mic fixed. And I was like, all right, I'll go, I'll keep going. And I did like 20 minutes with no mic and just ripped the room apart <laughs> In front of your friend that beat me at Catch a Rising Star and I was like, I am the best comic alive. Man, this, this, man. Is, this is a redemption arc. No, this just makes me sad and petty.
1: Yeah, I'm like, man, I he probably doesn't think about this
0: stuff often. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think about you at all.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> um yeah, I never really had, like, a competitive thing with another comic. No. No.
0: No, no, no rivalries or anything like that.
1: No. Uh,
0: do, do you have, like, a favorite show? Um, Let me
1: th- I'm trying to think of what my... Uh, I bombed at a casino once. That was fun. Uh, but it was, like, a cool big deal that I got to perform oh, there. Oh, the one
0: that you were, like, behind the bar? Yeah. Yeah, that one was a weird one. Um... I got bumped from that show, so at least you got to perform.
1: <laughs> but it was also like not my crowd. I hadn't learned, and I—I well, I honestly never really did learn to write outside of my core audience. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, "Oh, who wants to hear my jokes about Pokemon?" <laughs> Gentle listener, they did not they want did to not. hear my jokes about Pokemon. They did not. Uh, I love that. It's like, what was your favorite show? Hey, this time I bombed real bad. I mean, those um, are
0: like always memorable, like the train wrecks and stuff.
1: Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of, I've had a number of con shows that I've not been the happiest with because uh, anytime you schedule morning stand up, oh, don't oh,
0: morning stand
1: morning stand up is the worst feeling on the planet. Um, I love the Q and A that Plus Two Comedy will do after their shows. That. Usually my favorite part because it's improv. Yeah, because it's improv. Um, I think my favorite show was actually this last year at Too Many Games. Uh, I'm going to fully admit I did not feel prepared for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we offered to give Colt Cabana my time. <laughs> yes, we did. Because didn't I didn't fe- show up. <laughs> I felt so unprepared for this show that I would have looked at him like a savior. Yeah. And I was like, I'm probably only going to do like 10 minutes. I'm probably only going to do like 10 minutes. And I went 20 Mm-hmm. I did like my full time. Yep, I was like, oh, you always do. Yeah, I I forget that I'm. I work better in smaller places like too many games because I do play off the people in the audience a great deal.
0: Yeah, like we are so used to the bad con room. Yeah, where like half the stage is a table, <laughs> and like it's just fluorescence. That it's almost uncomfortable when they give us an actual stage. Like, how am I supposed to run through the crowd here?
1: Yeah, I... So, that was... I know that's a fairly recent show. and It's not not recency bias of, like, my last show was my favorite show. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I really enjoyed that particular show. Yeah. I really enjoyed feeling... uh, There were a couple people in the crowd who probably listened to this podcast... Who kind of like played off and made jokes about other projects I work on Mm -hmm. and kind of like. So there was that like rapport and that relationship, which was a lot of fun. I'm trying to think, like, what are my other favorite shows? Well, I do want
0: to bring up like a very interesting point that we have to deal with is that in the world of stand up comedy, we are very small. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because
1: I remember. I am no one.
0: Like, there was a, a time. Where uh, if you searched nerd stand-up comedian, the plus two comedy logo was like the 24th picture. And like that was like my ranking of how it worked in my brain. Uh, But uh, despite the fact that like we are not on the top 1000 stand-up comedians out there, we have a fan base that is very dedicated to us. So we have this weird dual thing of, like, we are so hungry to try to get more exposure and get, like, people out there and gain new fans. But also knowing we have to cater to a fan base that's already seen our sets. Yes. Which is such a weird thing where it's like, uh, we are not at the level of notoriety where I should have to throw out a half hour of comedy in a year. But here we are doing it. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, it, we, we live very... Unique lives in terms of stand-up. Uh,
1: yeah, I I don't... You do consistently uh, other shows. I don't really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like to play outside of my playground. Yeah, which I, I
0: understand that.
1: Uh, there's also this element of... Uh, I just... I like to write about what I'm interested in, and what I'm interested in has been ar- in- increasingly bizarre and archaic. Mm-hmm. And esoteric, and I'm gonna have a group of people who are with me as I make jokes about Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I keep using Pokemon as an example because it's kind of evergreen. I think my first set had jokes about Pokemon, and my last set has had jokes. Uh, I'm pretty
0: sure I could do a half hour of just Pokemon jokes at this point in my life. (laughs)
1: Uh, It it was something a friend said about you that I think of all the time. Uh, He died as he lived making Pokemon jokes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll still do the open mic thing. And, it, like, before a convention, I'll go, like, run some new jokes at an open mic. And I'll open with, I have a convention. Feel free to tune out for the next five minutes because I just need to practice saying this out loud. So, death note. <laughs> it's interesting, like, in, in my, my, my time." Uh, As a comedian, like I kind of get the feeling for what different rooms are. Uh, Like I've done hipster rooms, and I've done upper class rooms, and I've done black rooms. And black rooms love Dragon Ball Z. All right. So usually I could slip a few of those in, and like, ah, all
1: right. (laughs) It's so like, it's so interesting doing comedy. I I never feel like I'm a great comedian. Uh, It's mostly because I am... uh, We write very, very differently, you and I. Uh, You tend to write down to the word. uh, To the point where I, at one point, was able to pantomime entire jokes you did. Yes,
0: it was very hurtful.
1: (laughs) I was able to uh, essentially drunk history-style pantomime and
0: lip-sync entire jokes. I was at an open mic, (laughs) and there were... A total of seven people there. And five of them were watching Laura, the sixth person, do my act while one person was nice enough to keep eye contact with me. And
1: Laura was killing in the back of room. In my defense, it was five people who already knew your jokes. <laughs> so... Not in that order. That was a new order
0: for those jokes.
1: <laughs> oh, God. So, sorry. Uh, I tend to write uh, off. I, I I tend to shoot it from the hip a little more than I should. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where I'm like, I've got to start filming my sets. Because I know there was some really good stuff I did at too many games. Uh, that we will never see again, guys. Yeah,
0: th- there's definitely stuff I've lost in those moments as well. Uh, yeah, but
1: it wasn't like your whole set. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's usually like good sixty percent of my set is something mm-hmm. I because uh, I went on a tangent at too many games that was genuinely very funny mm-hmm. uh, that I don't even remember the topic of. <laughs> but somebody did something it was and I filmed. <laughs> yeah, somebody did something and I played off it and just went, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just.
0: Uh, just just those, like, weird moments, those, like, fleeting moments. There's a bit that I've done only once that's one of my favorite things I've ever done. Uh, because I was upset. Uh, it was another Too Many Games, uh, and they put us up against the burlesque show. Do you remember that one? Yes. So, like, there was a burlesque show next door, and we're performing stand-up comedy. Uh, we still, like, had a decent crowd, we did. Uh, but I decided like any time to like compete with the burlesque show, anytime I got a big applause break, I would strip a little bit. <laughs> uh, and so, and I'm like, I'm not wearing anything sexy. I'm wearing like a Super Mario Brothers t-shirt, uh, like jeans and sneakers.
1: Because you cannot do comedy in shorts. If Don't you're do Noah. comedy
0: in shorts. Comedy pants, important. Uh, so I'm doing my, my bits. I'm getting some big laughs. Life
1: I, hack. Just wear a dress.
0: I uh, I take my shoe off. I take off a shoe. I do some more jokes and like, oh, more laughs. I take a belt off and stuff like that. Then I get some more laughs and I take off my shirt to reveal an identically styled duck hunt shirt <laughs> underneath. And no it. And just continue to do comedy. And everyone's like lost and confused in laughter. It was such like a weird moment. Because like... It was a distracting joke. (laughs) So then afterwards I had to like... Wait, we got to come back to what I was talking about. Ignore the bit I had planned for like... (laughs) At the beginning of the set that didn't pay off until like... Minute 12 or 13 of the set. (laughs) That, that's a bit that I think about all the time that I know I'll never do again because I don't know what I did that shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely love writing from stage mm-hmm. and it's a filthy habit uh, because I don't get on stage as much as I should to do that crap. Yeah. Uh, but I really it's just the style that works for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, was, was, you're a, you're a chef and I'm a baker. Yes, uh, I like because I love the science of uh, stand-up comedy, like down to like the word choice and like emphasis of words and how like rhythm and pattern works and all that stuff. Love it. Uh, it annoys and, comics when I talk about
1: it. And I dump half a cup of garlic powder in it.
0: Yeah, ah. like, yeah
1: they like garlic. It's artist and technician. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. And that makes me feel really pretentious to say artist versus technician. But, mm. like, that's kind of the vibe. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, I, I mean, I think it's true. And it's it's a different type of style. We both achieve the same goal. We just get there in a different way. And, I mean, that's that part of comedy is, like, there's no one correct way to do stand-up comedy, which is why I love it so much. Is that, like, you know, one, one of my exercises is writing comedy as someone else. Because like, all right, so they would probably do this and stuff like that. Again, me being weird and a technician. But like, the point I'm making is that everyone does it a little differently.
1: Yeah. I kind of just, uh, do you want to talk about the time you, uh, you chose a different writing partner?
0: No. <laughs> I'd really rather not talk about this.
1: <laughs> at all. So,
0: but I will, because you brought it up. (laughs) Uh,
1: Uh, We were doing a writing... It was a five-minute set contest. I'm going to take out a lot of the, like, rules of the particular game. Okay, but I I just want to point out, it's a game I
0: invented. Like, I came up with the rules to this. Yeah,
1: I would have let that one go if I were you. I know, I'm mad. And you were up against my friend who beat you in a bunch of competitions. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Everyone got to choose a writing assistant because you had to write an entire set in a night and yeah. do it at the end of the night and everyone got to choose one assistant. Yes. And you didn't choose me. I thought You it would... made it a point not to choose me.
0: Because I was afraid it would look like nepotism. Because when you win this competition, it earns a booking for your assistant comic. So I was afraid that if I picked you, it looked like, oh, Noah's just trying to get Lara booked. Uh, so I was like, uh, I'm not going to pick you. And I was going to pick someone else. And I picked the wrong person. And
1: uh, and my friend picked me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the topic that we were writing on was like a current events topic. Yes. And he. it, it was the
0: Ukraine war.
1: Like no, Ukraine, it was the Olympics in Sochi. Oh was it? Yes. I thought okay,
0: I thought it was Ukraine.
1: That was it was well before that. I know that's why I was like, Is that was that the same conflict? No um, it was the Olympics in Sochi mm-hmm. and my friend and I both knew for a fact the other one follows current events pretty yeah. closely.
0: I spent most of my time googling things that were happening because I had no idea what was going on.
1: The night started with me going, I read the news. And my friend going, I listened to NPR. And we high fived and I watched The Regret.
0: So then, (laughs) not only did Lars' friend perform five minutes of of great comedy, but a chunk of it was about me and how I didn't know anything. And then I had to perform afterwards. And all I, like, I don't remember a single joke I told other than
1: Vladimir <laughs> And I don't remember the context. It was because in the Sochi Olympics, it was the weird, like, double toilets.
0: So I said Vladimir Poopin. And then at one point, because, like, I had to do five minutes. I sat down on stage and just like breathed. <laughs> just <sighs> And I lost. <laughs> and uh, they gave him the trophy and he leaned over and said, you weren't that funny that night at champs.
1: No one, no one did that.
0: He did. He did that. No, That's he didn't. He did,
1: he did not. Mm-hmm.
0: And then he spit in my eye and kicked me in the nose.
1: None of that (laughs) happened. Noah's really still carrying some baggage, guys. I mean, you have to be a
0: heavily damaged person to do comedy or really good at writing on stage. Those are the two (laughs) ways to do this. I want to tell the the quick story of the the great Plus Two Comedy scam. Okay. Uh, Because this was before you were in the group. Uh, Plus Two Comedy had a show in Chicago at C2E2. We did a show uh, that was in the dealer's room. So there were tables set up, but like it was the entire convention center. And I remember like the booth that was directly in front of us was the guy who played Mr. Delivery on Mr. Rogers. Okay. I was like, ah, Mr. Delivery's here. Uh, We did the show, it went about as good as it could. For the circumstances. It was also like morning comedy. I think it was like maybe an 11 a.m. show. Yes. And we were like okay with how things went, but we were like annoyed. And then we found out later that Earthquake and... What's his name? Steve Ranazizi from The League. He also yeah. lied about 9-11. Yeah, that one. Uh, were performing like on the main stage at like eight o'clock. And I was like, we're going and we're performing. <laughs> and are so like, sneaking onto a I was show. Like, no, I think what we do is we just walk in. And we're like, we're the comedians. Where do we go? So we walk in and we're like, Hey, we're the, we're plus two comedy. We're here to perform. And they're like, who? It's like plus two comedy. And like, we pointed to our names in like a book. Yeah. And they're like, are you booked on this? And then we very just stuck to the story of, we were told we were. We didn't give any names or anything like that. But anytime they were like, are you on this show? We responded, we were told we were. <laughs> so it's this way we kind of, instead of coming off as like, yeah, jerk, we were like, we're, we were told we were supposed to be here. We want to do right by you in the convention.
1: Oh my God Uh, grifters
0: so we were just like hanging out they're like making phone calls and all this other stuff and eventually this guy walked up to us and said listen I'm really sorry but something got messed up and you're not performing and we're like what we flew all the way out here from New Jersey when you're not going to be on the show and he went New Jersey oh we'll book you at Comic Con New York and we shook hands and we switched email addresses and we walked out with a booking.
1: Oh my god. And that's
0: how we got Comic-Con New York. Griff, griff, grif, griff, grif, griff, griff, <laughs> griff,
1: We tried. Yeah.
0: That's what that's what we do.
1: Yeah, I, like, I, I I feel very um I feel like a bad craftsperson of how little I have to say about the craft. Because uh, so much of it for me is, well, be funny. Yeah. Can you just, just be funny? Mm-hmm. Have you considered being funny? Yeah. Uh, and I I honestly never think I'm that good. I've had good shows, but I, I don't think I'm like one of the greats or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm decent. Yeah, I think you're
0: a great comic. Uh,
1: I think I do well in smaller places where I can, you know... I like crowd work. I like interacting. I like writing from stage. Uh, There is nothing I can think of that seems more vomit-inducing than being like a stadium comic. Right. No, thank you.
0: Like, I I don't think that is something that I see in my future, so I I don't know. Uh, But, I mean, I'm trying to think what the biggest show I've ever done was. was probably Otakon. Maybe... Mag? Mag's pretty big as well. Uh, like, I think that was, like, somewhere between 400 and 600 people. So, yeah, that that's probably the biggest. That That's, like, theater. Like, that's kind of the, the growth of comic, is bar, club, theater, stadium. There's not a lot of stadium comics, because it's hard to sell out a stadium when you're just a person with a microphone. Um but yeah i I would say I would have a couple theater level shows, and uh they're fun <laughs> if uh, if there are seven hundred people that are really interested in in coming to see us we'll we'll get a theater together. <laughs> but there, you have to be seven hundred people. Reach out. I'm at plus two comedy on Twitter on X, and you can get some information from us and we'll we'll perform at your theater. <laughs> But be 700 people. Sure. Uh, anything else you want to add? We're about at an hour.
1: Uh, no, I, I I feel bad. I feel like I didn't have as much as I wish I did to talk about on this. Uh, I, I, I'm i a poor stand-up comedian because I still write like an improviser. Mm-hmm. But I, I like doing improv. It's a skill I feel like is very underrated as a... Uh, as a marketable skill, I know at some point on what is now X, I threatened to run an improv workshop for wrestlers.
0: Still think it's a great idea uh,
1: because uh, big game Leroy said something about wrestlers not being able to act, and I was like, I'll I, I'll teach people stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually uh, I will end up with my with my bluff being called. I know at one point I was uh, a camp counselor, and oh no, it was at a. Dexcon. Yeah? You had to run Strip Twister.
0: Oh, yes. The, the mysterious Strip Twister panel, which has behind closed doors that you're not supposed to talk about. It's like a secret panel that they happen to call Strip Twister that could be anything.
1: So, I... Uh, you couldn't run it one year. Yeah. And so, I was like, I'll handle it. And then I just ran an improv workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is so improv-y, it hurts. Yeah. Of I had an hour and no plan so I ran an improv workshop yeah uh,
0: I think the reason you are so good at stand-up from an improv uh, perspective is this is me being a technician uh, I always say that improv and stand-up are related but opposite muscles because stand-up is set-up punch set-up punch set-up punch and improv is always set-up Punch and then, and Mm -hmm. then, and then. And it's always about looking for more and following more and finding more and finding more. But you were always the straight man. Yes. So your job in improv was bunch of madness happens, boom, punchline. And that allowed your your partner to then bring up new madness. So you could then bang another punchline. So you're kind of like... Your role in improv is very much the straight man who is more concise and more stand-up kind of structurally.
1: I can see that, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you didn't ask for that, but there is is me being a technician and uh, (laughs) over-evaluating stand-up comedy.
1: Have you just considered being funny?
0: No, never. (laughs) I'm not very funny. I'm just very good at following the rules and pushing oh my the God. buttons that, when combined, make a joke happen.
1: Oh, nobody nobody is uh, funnier than, I follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Well. Goodbye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're enjoying uh, Tune Out, please consider becoming a patron. That's patreon.com slash plus two comedy. And uh, you can give suggestions on what we're going to do until... The actors and the writers come back and we can go back to watching TV. Yay! We have some great plans for that in the future. So we hopefully do. I, I, I want to do those. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, do those very, very soon. Where can people find us?
1: You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on uh, Facebook and whatever you want to call it at uh, Stay Doomed.
0: And if you want to talk to me personally because you are 700 people and you would like to see me do comedy, I'm at Plus Two Comedy on X.
1: If you've ever considered just, you know, being funny, I'm at Priorities on X and Glitter and Glow Tape everywhere else. Until next time, tune out. Tune out.